grab your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, you can also put a marker in the 84th Psalm. Matthew chapter 1 and Psalm 84. All right, if you're there, say amen. All right, if you don't have our app, you can download it on the App Store, and you can follow along in our app notes. Of course, they'll be on the screen as usual. And uh, for those watching online, you can download the app notes as well. And uh, glad to have you with us. All right. Backdrop of Scripture. We'll dive into the Word uh, here in just a moment. Big picture. God creates the heavens and the earth. Then God creates man. But God didn't create man just to be a creature or just to be uh, some other one of his creations. But he created man like him in the image of himself. And he created man to have relationship. The Bible teaches that he walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. Meaning, God wasn't just a God in heaven and man was down here on earth, but God was actually here with Adam and Eve, walking with them, talking with them, uh, living life with them. But you know the story, the serpent comes in, deceives Adam and Eve, sin steps in, they walk in disobedience to God, and suddenly we have this separation that takes place, this this distance that takes place. As you follow out throughout the context of Scripture, especially in the Old Testament now, you begin to see a new pattern take place where man is here on earth trying to function, trying to live, and God is in heaven. And so you, man, you see man continually seeking God and asking God to come down and be with us. But God was in heaven and, and man was on earth. God would speak to his people here and there. He would, he would uh, crack the heavens and speak, or he would anoint a man for this moment or that moment. You see God speak to Noah. You see God speak to Abraham. The interesting thing about Abraham was, Abraham wasn't even worshiping God at the time when God spoke to him. Abraham was from the land of Ur, of the Chaldeans. They were a polytheistic group of people. They worshiped many gods, including the moon god. And yet somehow, God cracks the skies. The true and living God, Jehovah God, cracks the skies, speaks to Abraham, and he speaks a game-changing word to him. Not just game-changing to Abraham, but game-changing to you and I. Because God calls him out of the, the land of his father and says, I want to take you to a place that I'm going to give you, a promised land, and I'm going to make you the father of many nations. At this point, Abraham and Sarah could not have children. They were old in their years, never thought it was possible, and yet God delivered on his promise. When he spoke out of the heavens, it changed history. You see, now we look to Abraham as the father of our faith. Why? Because it says Abraham believed God. Well, it's one thing for you and I to believe God as we sit here on a Sunday morning. We've already worshipped Him and we've lifted up His name. But when you came from a completely different set of gods and a a way of worshipping and and, and you didn't know Jesus like we know Jesus and and suddenly He speaks out of the heavens and you leave everything behind to follow Him, then the Bible says it was accounted unto Him as righteousness. He's the Father of our faith. But it started when a moment when God closed the distance between heaven and earth and showed up in Abraham's life. But we track along through scripture. You see Moses, 
You see the people of Israel, they're caught up in bondage. They're begging God to help them. 400 years they've been in slavery, and they're asking God, help us, help us, help us, and it seems that God is nowhere to be found. God's in heaven. They were doing what they were supposed to do. They were trying to follow the laws as best they could while being in slavery. They were trying to offer their sacrifices. They were trying to do the things they were supposed to do, but they they couldn't. Why? They were slaves. They're begging God. So suddenly God speaks to Moses out of a burning bush, and there is this God encounter that takes place where where uh, Moses had always knew that God was real, but suddenly he became alive and present in that very moment. It changed the course of history. Now the nation of Israel is born, the laws are given, and, and the Israelites are freed and sent back to the promised land. Throughout the Old Testament, time and time again, you see in the life of men like Samson, where he was a normal man, and yet the Spirit of God would come upon him. You see in David where the Spirit of God would come upon him. You saw with the King Saul how the Spirit of God came upon him and he prophesied. But notice as you walk through the context of the old scripture, you see the prophet speaking and you see men of God speaking, but it was always this. It's never... um, more illustrated than the, when the prophet Isaiah said, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Why? Because if you had lived in the Old Testament, you always lived with this understanding that God was up there and we're down here. And we spend our lives trying to do everything right. And, and as we do everything right, maybe God will show up in our hearts, in our lives, in our homes, in our situations. At the end of the prophet's, After the prophet Malachi speaks, we go through 400 years of silence, 400 years of the same thing over and over and over and over again, where where they were doing everything they could. They were begging God to send a Messiah. They were begging God to send a king. They were begging God to send the, the promise that he had spoken about, and yet, nothing. And in Matthew chapter 1, something changes. When Abraham heard from God, it was a game changer. When Moses saw God in the burning bush, it was a game changer. But when Mary and Joseph heard from the angel, it didn't just change a little bit. It changed everything. So God, the angel is is speaking to Joseph and telling him about what's about to happen with Mary. And we pick up in verse 20. And as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not afraid, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife for the child within her has been conceived by the Holy Spirit and she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. The first game changer moment was God said, I'm sending Jesus, the son of God, and he is going to save your people from their sins. The, the, the crazy thing was they, they had always rolled back their sins. As the lamb was sacrificed, they would roll back their sins for one year and they would send the scapegoat out into the desert, but they were never truly forgiven until Jesus showed up. He said, I'm going to save my people. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Here's what he says in verse 23. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. And she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Say that name with me, Emmanuel. Emmanuel. 
which means God is with us. Two things the angel's trying to show Joseph here. Joseph, first off, I want you to understand that when, when this child is born, his, his name is going to be Jesus. He is the Son of God. He is born of the Holy Spirit. And, and when he comes, he is going to bring salvation to the world. I'm so grateful that Jesus came. I'm so grateful that he came that we, because now we are saved. Now we can come to him and, and have our sins forgiven. We can come to him in repentance and know that we can walk uh, in, in covenant with God once again. But the second reason that he came, he's trying to show us something here. He didn't just come for salvation. Though if he had come for salvation, that would have been more than enough. But, but he came. He said his name is going to be called Jesus, but his name is also going to be called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. He changed the deal because from this moment forward, it never again has to be us down here and God in heaven. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. No, no, he's already here. He's with you, and He's with me, and He's in this room, and He's with you when you leave, and He's with you in the valleys, and He's with you in the desert, and He's with you on the mountain, and He's with you in the waiting, and He is with you all the time. You can never get away from God. He is with you. But this is, this is mind-boggling to, to Joseph. This is mind-boggling to Mary. This is mind-boggling to the people in that time because they had always lived with the mindset that God was up there and I'm down here. But unfortunately, so many of us live with this mindset that God is not always with us, or He won't be always with us, or He's only with us when we do the right thing, and He's only with us when we are perfect and we, we never get in trouble. But the moment I make a mistake, God is leaving me. No, God will never leave you, nor will He forsake you. He is always with us. It's us that turns our back on God. He would never turn His back on you because He's already paid the ultimate price by sending His Son to die for us. As Christians, it is easy to believe that God is with us when everything is going well. When you go, when you went shopping on Black Friday and they found, and you found your dress in your size for 80% off, you said, hallelujah, God is here. Men, when you circled the parking lot for the fourth time looking for the parking spot and suddenly one opened up at the front, it was clear to know that God opened that spot for you and He's with you. It's easy to know that God is with you when you, when you got the raise that you were looking for. When you prayed for the Dallas Cowboys to finally win a game, and they did. <laughs> Maybe you're a new parent, and you know that God was with you the first time when you were at the end of your rope, and your baby slept through the night. You got six hours. <sighs> I was with my son. We were, we were uh, deer hunting right before Thanksgiving. And we had just a little moment that was just... I don't know, maybe it means nothing to you, but for me and, and, and my son, it was a great moment that just let you know, hey, God is with us. I, I kid about these things, but I'm also fully convinced that God's with us and he, and he wants to give us favor in our lives. And he wants to be there in the little things, not just the big things. So we're sitting in a deer blind and uh, this, this buck comes walking through or, or kind of moving through very quickly and 
and Randy's still kind of young, so we're trying to get his gun up and get it ready. Before he could get ready, the deer is gone. So I said, son, just stay ready. This, this deer's coming back out, and when he steps back out, you shoot him. And he's like, yes, sir. So he's shaking, the whole deer blind's shaking, you know, and I'm like, all right, deep breath right now. And he's like, yes, sir. I was like, remember your fundamentals, right? Uh, you know, uh, aim small, miss small. Uh, let your breath out real slowly, squeeze the trigger, let the gun surprise you, don't close your eyes, you know, all this stuff, all that we're going through. And, uh, and then we, we just sit in there, and it seems like an eternity. I don't know if you've ever been deer hunting, but in that moment, it seems like an eternity. It was probably like 12 seconds, but it felt like 12 hours. And we're sitting there, and he's like, Dad, is that deer going to come out? And I'm like, I don't know, son. And I said, tell you what, let's pray. And we prayed, God, if you want Randy to shoot this deer, let him step back out. Just one, he doesn't need a, just, a, just a, a sliver. Let him step back out. And I kid you not, the deer walked out. Bam! Boom! Randy drops him. I was like, son. Yeah, he killed him. Yeah. Murdered him. <laughs> Murdered him. Blood. It was everywhere. It was awesome. It's fantastic. Yeah. Some of you are like, oh, that's so gross. Yeah, that's fine. It's going to eat good, too. I'm not even going to lie about that. Take out whether we were killing a deer or not, but for a 10-year-old boy, when you say a prayer, God, help me, and immediately you get a response, you have this overwhelming sense of, God is with me. Right there in the deer blind on something that doesn't matter. It's just a deer. It doesn't matter. There will be more, more to kill in his life, more hunting to do. But in that moment, it, it, it was a, God, are you there? Yes, I'm here. There are times in my life, time and time and time again, some in the little things, some in the huge things, some in the things that don't matter, and some of the things that have made all the difference in the world in my life when God says, I want you to know I'm with you. Here's what I want to ask you to do, and in, in this series we're going to be talking about God with us. And I wanted you to do me a favor, if you would. I want you to record 15, 20 second video just on your iPhone, and if you've, if you've got an Android, I think you can do it there too. Um, <laughs> I just want you to record a 15, 20 second video, send it to us on Facebook, post it on Facebook, message it to us, and just of a quick time, something in your life when you knew God was with you could be big or it could be little. It could be something that changed your whole life or it could just be something that made you happy like my son and I in a deer blind. doesn't matter. Give me 15 to 20 seconds. I want to hear from you at times when God was with you. And that's what we're going to be talking about for the next uh, today and in the following three weeks leading up to Christmas Eve. It's going to be a great time. God is with us. But you know, as much as it's, it's easy to know God is with us when things are going well, it's much more difficult to know that God is with us when things aren't going well. When you didn't get the raise, when you didn't get the promotion, when you, when you still have cancer, when, when you've got a divorce anyway, when you're, when you're battling with your kids anyway, when things don't seem to be changing, when, when you prayed that the water wouldn't come in your home and yet it came in your home anyway. It, when In those difficult times, it's hard to know that God is with us. It's easy we're on the mountaintop. And we're celebrating and we're having a party. But when we're in the valley, things get much more difficult. Grab your Bibles with me now and flip over to the 84th Psalm. Psalm 84. 
Psalm 84, verse 5. Here's what I want you to know today as you turn there. Not only is God with you in the valley, but he wants to bless you while you're there. You don't leave with anything else today. I want you to leave with this. God is not just with you, but he wants to bless you. Here we go. Verse 5, if you're there, say amen. What joy are blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, the valley of weeping, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. Verse 7, they go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. I want you to note here there is this valley on the way to Jerusalem. This valley was dry, it was desolate, it seemed to have no water. It was a dangerous place. Um, it was close to Jerusalem. And so throughout the year, at times of feast, uh, all the Jewish families would make pilgrimages. They would gather their family and they would take a journey down to Jerusalem to worship God at the temple. And so on their route, if you were coming down, you had to go through, if you're coming from the north, you had to go through this valley, the Valley of Baca, or the Valley of Weeping, the Valley of Sorrow. It had multiple names. And, and so as you went through this valley, it was a more narrow place. There wasn't a way to get around it because of the mountains, so you had to go through the valley. But it was dry, it was desolate, and it was dangerous. It, uh, it was, it was a place where thieves and robbers could attack you. It was a difficult place to get through. Not only was it difficult, but, difficult, but it seemed to be nearing the end of the journey. When you're already tired. When you've already, you, 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 already been walking for days and days and days. When you've been riding a donkey for days and days and days. Or a camel or however you were getting there. Wh whichever way, none of them were like riding around in your Cadillac. And as you went through this valley, you were exhausted, you were tired, you're hungry, you're thirsty, your feet hurt, your legs hurt, your body hurts, you've been sleeping on the ground out underneath the stars, and now you go through the most difficult time of the whole journey, the valley of sorrows. But here's what, here's what the psalmist said in verse 5. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. I, I love this. In the middle of the valley, you're blessed. In the middle of, middle of the difficult place, in the middle of that moment when things aren't going your way, when you're dry and you're thirsty and you're worn out and you're in a place, maybe a place of weeping in your life, a place of sorrow in your life, a place of struggle in your life, God wants you to know that not only am I with you, but you're blessed. Not only is He with you, but He wants to bless you while you're there. He said, blessed are those whose strength comes from God. My question to you is, where are you gaining your strength from? Are you trying to do it all on your own? He doesn't say, blessed are those who make it on their own. Blessed are those who rely on themselves. Blessed are those who can do it all without God. No, that's not what he says at all. He says, blessed are those whose strength is in the Lord. I, I want to tell you this, as exhausted as you may be, as tired as you may be, as worn out as you may be, as much as things may not be going right, don't lean on your own self. Lean on God because you were created for dependence. 
God never made you to be independent from Him. He created you in a such a way to be dependent on Him. So we're looking around and wondering why we're so tired and we can't make it and we're out of grace and, and, and we're struggling. God says, that's because I've created you to be dependent on me. You were never meant to go through the valley without me. We go through the valley and say, God, where are you? And He said, I've been with you the all along. I knew you had to go through the valley and I was here waiting on you when you got here. He goes on in verse 26. He says, even in the valley, in the valley of Baca. What does this blessing look like? Verse 5, and I'm going to go back to the New Living Translation now because he says something here I want to show you. He said, what joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord who have set their minds. They have set their minds. The first thing that we have to know when we're in the valley is we have to set our own minds. You see, we can, allow the, we can allow the circumstances around us to set our minds on the wrong thing. We can allow life to steal our focus, steal our joy, steal our happiness, steal our thoughts. And even when, when things start to turn good, it's very easy to allow our minds to drift back to the negative. Things start to go our way, but we're concerned about being hurt again. So we make excuses. We give ourselves an out and we th say, yes, but I, I, I don't want to get my hopes up because. And, and, and God is trying to show us that, we're, that he's with us. And yet our minds continually are set on negative things, on wrong things. What is your mind set on? You say, I might be in the valley, but my mind is set on God. My mind is set on the things of him. What are you setting your mind on? on. Paul said, set your minds on things that are above and not on things that are here on this earth. Things that are here on this earth, they change. They disappoint us. They, they, they don't seem to work out like we intended to. So we set our mind on things above. We set on our, our mind on, on a God who is good and who never changes and who loves us and will never forsake us. We set our minds on him. We think on things that are pure, that are lovely, that are good, that are kind. We think on these things. What's your mind set on? Specifically this, and if you'll put that verse back up for me, I want to show you, uh, they have their minds set on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. In fact, when you back up to the context of this entire psalm, this song that was written, these verses that were written, the entire context is about people who are so determined to go worship God no matter the cost. Notice they didn't just set their minds on God, but they set their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Or depending on the version you're reading, a pilgrimage to Zion. They were setting their minds. They were determined, I am going to worship God. No matter what happens in my life, no matter the difficulties that I face, I'm going to worship. Specifically now, they're referring to getting to the house of God where they had public corporate worship. They, they set their minds, even in the difficulties, I'm going to make sure that I get to the house of God because I'm going to worship. Something, they, they had this intense desire to get to the house of God that overrode the difficulties of their circumstances. I, I wonder if that could be said of Christians in our current society, if we are willing to push through and pay the price to get to the house of God to worship, 
if we're willing to do the difficult thing. But I'm convinced of this. A blessing awaits those who are more focused on worshiping God than, than they are focused on the difficulties of the valley that they are facing. What's your mind set on? What is your mind set on? I'm, I'm tired, Pastor Randon. Yes, but I, I'm, I'm still going to go to the house of God and worship. My, my body hurts because I've been walking for days and, and I've been on this journey and now I'm in the valley. Yes, but I'm not going to stop. I'm getting to the house of God to worship. I'm hungry and I'm thirsty. Yes, but if I could just get a moment in his presence. Commentaries tell us that not only did they go to have uh, public worship and corporate worship in Jerusalem, but their hearts were so anxious to worship God that when they got in the middle of the valley, their, their anticipation of worship for God caused them to have sporadic worship right in the middle of the valley. Why? Verse 6. When they walk through the valley of weeping. They were so focused. Their minds were set. Why? Because they knew that the valley, the, the, the difficulties of their circumstances was not their destination. The valley you may be in today, the difficult place you may be in today, you've got to get your mind set on this. You've got to know this. You've got to resolve this. The valley I'm in is not my destination. The difficult place that I'm at is not where I'm going to be forever, but I'm going through this. Turn to your neighbor, elbow him just a little bit, say, wake up, I'm going through. That was weak. That was really, really weak. You need to convince somebody. Tell them, I'm tired of being in the valley. I'm going through. So if you want out of your valley, grab onto my belt loop and we'll go together. I, I'm not going to get stuck in the valley I'm in. I'm not going to get stuck in the difficult place that I'm in. Why? Because I, this is not my destination. My destination is Zion. My destination is worshiping in the house of God. What does Zion mean? Zion uh, is another name for Jerusalem or a city on a hill. It has the idea of being lifted up. Here's what they understand. I know I'm in this low place. I know I'm in this down place, in this bad place, in this difficult place. But if I could just get to Zion, it'll have a way of lifting me up. I know you're going through difficult things during the week. I know you're battling the devil every day. I'm, I know that Monday was hard and Tuesday was terrible and Wednesday was worse. But if I could just get back to Zion, if I could just get back to the house of God, I could lift my hands up and I could worship God again. And it would have a way of lifting me up out of the valley. The valley is not your destination, but if we can get into worship, he'll take us up out of there and you'll get where you're going in your life. Don't get stuck in the valley, but lift your hands in worship. God, I'm coming through. I'm going to worship my way through. I know that I'm thirsty. And every time I, I, I go to worship again, it makes me even more thirsty. But that doesn't matter because I know that somehow you're going to give me living water and I will never thirst again. So, Jesus, I'm coming through. Turn to that person again and say, I told you I'm coming through. I'm going to have to wake y'all up this morning. I came ready to have some church today. <laughs> I got too much to do. I got to get to the house of God. I, I, my in-laws are coming in town for Christmas, Pastor Renner. I get the, got to get the house clean. No, you better get yourself lifted up first. I, I, I'm worried about money for Christmas. How I'm going to pay for it? Get into worship. My heart is anxious. I just need to, to have my mind set on him. My soul is aching, but my mind is set on him. My emotions are racing, but my mind is set on him. I'm just passing through, but in the meantime, I'm here to worship. 
two blessings that come from worship. The first one we see in verse 6, when they walk through the valley of weeping, it will become a place of refreshing springs. Now wait a minute here. The valley is dry, it's desolate, there's no water, and yet the psalmist said in the middle of the dry place, it's going to become a place of refreshing springs. The first blessing that we have in worship is the blessing of satisfaction. I don't know if you've ever worked outside in the summer and the hot sun is blazing and it's you're thirsty and you're dying and you, you forgot your water. And uh, when I was young, we were, we were building my parents' ranch. We'd, we'd, I'd be working all summer and building fences and, uh, you know, digging post holes and, and mowing grass and building barns and all these things that we were doing. It just, it was, it was just worked. And, and I never forget, as thirsty as I would be, seemed like about 2.30, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. My grandmother lives in a mobile home at the back of my father's property, so we'd be out there. And I would see my grandmother come out of her back door, out onto her porch. She would wave like this. Now, my grandma's not a real loud lady, but she would holler, Woo! Hey! She would get our attention. And I knew what that meant. What that meant was country time lemonade. <laughs> I felt the Holy Ghost right there. I didn't even lie to you. Woo! And when you would go up there and she'd have that fresh country time lemonade. And I don't know, but it sure seemed like she was like doubling the powder in there. And then she'd have fresh lemon squeezed in there. And when you would drink that, as hot and as dry as it was, when you drank that lemonade, it was refreshing and satisfying. When, when you get in the presence of God. When you get into worship, why do we begin every week with worship? Because somehow God says, when you get into my presence, I want to satisfy your soul. I want to meet your needs. I want to help you right where you are. I don't want to just lift you up. I want to satisfy you. Here, here's, here's what the psalmist said later in these verses, in verse 10 and 11. He said, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. Here, watch here. I'm standing at the door of the house of God. And I have a momentary access where I open for someone else to go in or someone else to go out. And I get a glimpse. I get just a feel. I get just, just a little momentary something. I'm not even living there. I'm not even dwelling there. But just that momentary glimpse is far better than if I went into the way of sin and of the world and I dwelled in their tents and their houses. I can live there and never be as satisfied as just a glimpse into the presence of God. What I found in my life is I can try everything that the world has to offer and it will never do what, for me what just a few moments in the presence of God can do. He has a way of satisfying our souls, touching our deepest needs, meeting needs that we didn't even know we had and nothing else in this world will meet. Why? Because we were created for dependence on Him. So the first thing is satisfaction, satisfaction. I love what he goes on to say in verse 11. 
You see, the deeper we go into sin, the more promises sin makes, but the less satisfaction it has. But if we go the other way, for the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor, and no good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Doesn't mean that you've got to be perfect all the time, but where are you choosing to live? Are you in the tents of sin? Are you in tents of the world? Are you going the world's way? Are you saying, I'll just be a doorkeeper. I'll just stand right here, just a glimpse of the presence of God. We find it in worship. We find it when we get into the house of God. Next, the second thing we find as we go to this refreshing spring is we find strength. I, I love this verse. I love what he says. They go from strength to strength. They go from strength to strength. It, it, at times it feels like we're going from valley to valley, and maybe we are. But when the valley turns into a place of strength, suddenly you're going from strength to strength. For, for it was Paul who said, in my weakness, then, I'm, then I am made stronger, not through myself, but through Christ. And so is it, when I'm going through difficult places, if my strength comes from him, I can actually go from strength to strength. I can go from, from where I am, I'm getting stronger, to suddenly I'm in another valley. Uh, well, this strength that I have is not enough. God says, I'll give you more strength. I don't know what you're facing in your life, but I want you to change the way you're viewing it. Uh, notice what they said. Uh, he said um, in, in, in uh, verse 7, uh, verse 6, I, I want to read to the Amplified Version, we're, and we're about to close here, but I want to read just one time. Passing through the valley of weep, weeping, this is the Amplified Version, they make it a place of springs. What's your mind set on? See, I know people in my life who can take the best situation and make it horrible. You know any of those? Man, things are going good. What's your problem? But you know what? This is what the psalmist said. These people were so intent on worshiping God, they were so focused on where they were going and what God was doing, that they made the dry place. They made it a place of springs. They, they made it into something it wasn't intended to be. The circumstances in your life were intended to get you down. Make it into a place of springs. Make it into a place of springs. Make it into a place of strength. The early rain also fills the pool with blessings. Verse 7. They go from strength to strength. Watch this. Increasing in victorious power. Can I speak this word over you today? If you're in the middle of a valley... If you're in the middle of a valley, if you'll find your place and your heart set on worship and you'll set your mind on where God is taking you and getting to the house of God, he will make the dry places uh, a place of strength and he will make it where you are increasing in victorious power. But Pastor Rand and I feel defeated, rely on him. I feel beat up, I feel exhausted, turn to him. And he's going to cause you to increase in victorious power. I, I was flipping through Facebook this week and I, I saw a clip and I don't even know who posted it and I don't even know who the lady was, but she was on Pastor Rod Parsley's show and I just heard her say one thing that stuck with me and for whatever reason I had to leave at the moment, I couldn't keep watching. But she made this statement. She said, you cannot be pitiful and powerful. You can't be pitiful and powerful. You see, when we come to God, we come to God in humility. We understand our weaknesses and our deficiencies, but we don't come 
in pity. We don't come as pitiful believers. We come as sons and daughters of God with a right to be there, with a right to stand before the throne, with a right to, re to rely upon the grace of God in our lives. I'm not pitiful. I'm powerful. I know that my circumstances aren't the way I want them to right now, but don't let that confuse you. My mind is set on God, and He is giving me victorious power even now. Are you pitiful or are you powerful? You choose, you choose, you choose. God wants to bless you in the valley. He wants to give you strength. He wants to give you satisfaction. He, he, he wants you to worship him no matter what, and he is going to return to you victorious power. God is with you, and he's turning your dry valley into a place of strength and satisfaction. I want to pray for you today, and I, and I, I, want, to, uh, I want to pray for us, specifically those that are in valleys. I've looked up and found myself in a valley here recently, but my mind is set on God. So when I pray for you, I'm praying for me. But when I pray for you, I'm not praying for another pitiful, pitiful believer. I'm praying for a powerful believer, and I believe that God is going to make us even more uh, victorious and powerful. He's going to give you strength. He's going to give you satisfaction. But my challenge to you, those here and those watching at home, is what is your mind set on? Is it set on worshiping God or is it set on the struggles, the difficulties? You make the valley whatever you want to make it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for sending your son Jesus that you spoke to us and you didn't just come to save us, but you came to change the deal. You came and said to us that from here on out, you are with us. God is with us. And I feel you even now here, God. Lord, I pray for every person in this room, every person watching online or listening to the podcast. Lord, if we are in the midst of the valley, in the dry place, in the difficult place, God, I pray that you would change our perspective even now, that we would know you are with us, that we would feel you near us. Lord, that we would lift our hands in worship. When we wake up in the morning, your praise would ever be on our lips and our mind would be set that even when things aren't going my way, if I can get into your house to worship, if I can get back into the house of God to lift up your name and call on your name, God, I know that you are going to make your people uh, powerful, full of strength, moving from strength to strength. God, you're going to satisfy our souls, Lord. Lord, I pray for those that feel like they've been in the valley for a long time. Lord, encourage us to know that the valley is not our destination, but we're headed for Zion. We're headed for a place when you're going to lift us up. You're going to change our circumstances. God, I pray that you would cause things to move on our behalf. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.